Okay, why don't you guys stand for the reading of God's Word. We'll do Psalm 101. Uh, Do the whole Psalm, Psalm 101. Psalm 101 says this, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. O when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, speak to us through your word. Make us aware of your presence and the truth and grace and fullness of your word. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys can have a seat. The title for this message, if we're going to have one, um, would be God's will for your life. So who wants to know God's will for their life? Right? Yes, right? Yeah, come on. I want to know, what is God's will for my life? Like We spend a lot of time praying and wrestling and uh, struggling with, I just want to know what God's will is in this situation. I was talking with someone just the other day, and they're, they're talking to me about these two different job situations that they have. And they have one job opportunity, another job opportunity, and the job they're currently in. And they're just like, I just want to know what God's will is for my life regarding these multiple jobs. And we spend a a lot of time wrestling and praying and wondering, okay, what is God's will for my life in this area? And what I wanted to to do to help us today is, is to see a picture of God's will for your life that is broad and kind of spacious. And then God's will for your life that we can be really, really confident and clear in. And to use an example, I read an example, um, and I'm just going to use it as my own example. But for my kids, when I say, hey, go outside and play, there's a lot of things they can do outside and be within my will as their father. So they could go jump on the trampoline outside. They could ride their bikes in the driveway outside. They could play football outside. They could go out into this little fort that they've built and play in this fort. They could bring, uh, Ezra likes to dress up in Star Wars costumes, go outside and play Star Wars for a bunch of hours. They can play with Cassie's cats because she's our neighbor and they can play with them. They can go into Cassie's house if she doesn't want to kick them out. Sometimes she does, sometimes she hasn't come in. And all of those things they could be doing and that all falls into their father's will for playing outside. Right? All falls in within their father's will. I care more about when they go outside their attitude and character. So they could be jumping on the trampoline if they're not fighting, if, if like Ezra's not beating up his sisters. Ezra's my oldest son. He's here tonight. Ezra, want to say hello to everyone? There he is. Yeah. So he could be jumping on a trampoline um, if he's not beating up his sisters and getting into big fights and fit like... They could be doing any of these things if, if the character falls into the will that we want them to do. Okay, does that make sense? Now, imagine if they went outside, they're like, okay, mom and dad said to go play outside. And they have all these things they could do, and they just spent the entire time just standing there going, all right, what do you think mom and dad want us to do? Do they want us to jump on the trampoline? Or do they want us to ride bikes in the driveway? Or do they want us to play in the fort? Or do they want us to play tag? Or do they want us to do hide and seek? Or do they want us to play with the cats? And they just were just stuck, stuck, stuck. And the truth is, we are 
perfectly cool with them doing any or all of those things. Any or all of those things. As long as they just stay outside, don't go play in the mud and bring that all in or get in fights, they can pretty much do whatever the heck they want out there. (laughs) Climb trees. God's primary will for your life is that you would be formed into the image of his son Christ. Meaning his will for your life is to grow you in Christ-like character. That he cares more about your heart and your heart being drawn to him and being made more and more into the image of Jesus than necessarily a lot of the things that you're doing from day to day. Now, caveat. That doesn't mean that God doesn't move in and speak in certain situations. That he doesn't call you to a specific vocation, right? Like there may be someone here and they may hear strongly from the Lord, I am to be a plumber in Kitsap County. And the Lord has just opened doors and he has that vocation for them. And it's like, this is from the Lord. Like I am going to plumb to the glory of God, right? In all vocations should be done to the glory of God. But there may be, but oftentimes... What it is, is that God is calling you to, to work. Like these are things that are clear in God's will, that we would work. Jesus, Jesus says that, that for those that don't provide for his families, worse than an unbeliever, right? Like there's this call that you're going to grow up, become a man and woman, work and provide. And these are things that are just clearly a part of God's will. And oftentimes, and I would say most times, it's like my kids playing outside where God's like, Just choose a good vocation that you would like to do. Like he's totally cool with you in that area, doing what you would want to do. Where some of you may be right now struggling. I don't know, does God want me to do construction? Or does he want me to be like a librarian? And I don't know which. And God is just saying, what do you want to do? If you be a librarian, be the most godly librarian and librarian to the glory of God. If you become an electrical engineer, be the most godly electrical engineer you can be, an electrical engineer to the glory of God, right? Teacher, teach to the, teach to the glory of God. Be the most godly and loving. He's interested, he's devoted to forming your character. His will for your life is to make you more and more and more like Jesus. And that is what he is devoted to. Again, we see all through scripture, these times where God calls men and women to very specific things and specific vocations. So he may indeed do that. You see times where God intervenes and he gives you very specific instructions of someone to maybe pursue but oftentimes, even like for like dating, what's God's will? Should I ask this person out or should I not? Should I say yes to them asking me out? Well, look at the broader picture of God's will for your life where you're looking at questions of, well, does the person love Jesus? Did they love his church? Are they gonna help me grow closer to Christ and become more like Christ if I date this person? Or if I date this person, is it gonna make it harder for me to be like Christ? Right, And where we usually go and it's more like we want this like magical God confetti to be written in the sky or something like an airplane. Like I'm going to pray about Lucy and look in the sky and it's like is a cloud forming into a heart? That one kind of looks like a heart. Yes, God wants me to date Lucy. And he's more wants us to ask those questions. Will this person help me become more like Christ? And if so, then it's like, again, well, do you want to pursue them then? Do you want to jump on the trampoline or do you want to ride bikes in the driveway? Either one. Like, you can be, have a godly marriage and a very unrighteous marriage. You can be single and godly and very unrighteous and single. You can be pursuing godliness, parenting, or do that very selfishly, right? Right? It's, it's the character 
in God's will of bringing you more and more and more into Christ's likeness that is his focus. And so that helps us as we are discerning what is God's will for my life. That we begin to ask ourselves, will this make me more like Jesus? That we ask less and less of what do you, I know so many people that the paralysis by analysis, they're stuck in a situation, they're going, well, I'm just waiting to hear from God. And God's just going like, yeah, whatever you wanna do here. Right, this is, just go play outside. Don't care what you do out there. Right, and he cares, like when my kids come in, I always wanna hear what they did. Oh, we built this fort, come see it. Hey, we learned to flip on the trampoline, come out and see it. So it's not that he doesn't lovingly care. Do you see that? I'm not saying he's like this, oh, I don't care what you do. He's saying there's freedom here. And my deep desire is who are you becoming in this? Okay, you guys following me? And what I love about this psalm, Psalm 101. See, my, my heart for, for us tonight is that we head into the new year. And the new year is like that time where you're like, resolutions, right? It's like, okay, let's all sign up to 24-hour fitness. You know, like, we're, what are we going to do this new year, you know? Should sign up for those, uh, those like healthy meals that come in the mail that are really expensive. You know, it's like, I'm going to lose weight and eat these meals. And... Then you just eat those and you're like, I'm still starving. I'm, I'm going to eat real food too. Uh, now I'm broke and starving and didn't lose a pound. But that's sidetracking. Like these resolutions. And my heart is that what we would resolve into the new year is we would ask the questions of what will I will to do? Where will my human will align with God's will to become more Christ-like? And if you didn't notice that, we just sang, I think, three or four songs that had the statement, I will. Like, really think through the stuff you're singing. Like, powerful things of the human will longing to line up with God's will. Throw up those songs. Throw up, the, throw up those in order and cycle through. Can, you, can we do that in the tech booth? I see people running back there. Good, good, good. They're going. Go, Whitney, go. Okay, they're going to get these up. See, our human, God gives us this space in our human will. And many a times our focus is, is our human will aligning up with God's will in these different choices that we're making throughout life, plumber, electrical engineer. And again, the biblical focus, most of the time when we're talking about human will aligning with God's will, go through scripture, like 90% of the I will statements and the human will statements our human will aligning up with God's will to form us into men and women of godly character. That's where the focus of your human will needs to align with God's will. Okay, this is the first song. I will build my life upon your love. Like who's coming into this new year? Like I'd say, write this down as a resolution. We just sang it. Say, Holy Spirit, don't make me a liar. Like, how many of you sing songs and later you think about the lyrics and you go, I am a liar. Right? Who hears like, I can sing this with a pure heart. We can't. But through God's grace and the Holy Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit can sing this with a pure heart. So we sing it filled with the Spirit. I will build my life upon your love. I don't want to build it on anything else. Like, aren't you tired of building your life on things besides the love of God. Everything else is so fleeting. It just crumbles so quickly. I will build my life on how many likes on Instagram I get this week. I'll build my life on like career and promotion and then someone else gets that promotion or you get the promotion and the job just sucks and you're like, I was building my life on that. And it crumbles. I'll build my life on this dating relationship. I mean, you get into it and it's like, well... It's not going bad, but it's a little bit awkward. You know that like awkward dating stage? It's like a tadpole. It's got the tail and the legs. It's like, this isn't rough. We're not married. You know, we're not a full frog, but we're not like a tadpole yet either. We're just in that awkward in-between stage, and it kind of funkily feels like that, right? You build your life on that? No. No. 
I will build my life upon your love. I will put my trust in you alone. Who and what do you want to put your trust in this next year? Who and what? It's saying, use your human will, your human desires and your longings and your human resolutions and say, I will put my trust in you alone. Cycle through. What, what, what are songs that we sing? Cycle through these lyrics. I will pursue. Will you seek the Lord this coming year? Like, will you? Will you? Will that, that, is that something in your heart desiring and devoted to do? Like, no, I will pursue. I'm not just going to sit and wait for God to pursue me, which he does. He constantly does. But you're saying, no, I'm going to align my human will with God's pursuing will towards me. And I'm going to pursue him. Like, I want more of God. Like, I don't want to settle for just going through the church emotion. Some of you have been, you've grown up in the church. And so it's just even easier to just kind of slip into it. Oh, yeah, this is the time we raise our hands. Yep, I'm there. Raise the hand time. Okay, pass the bucket, do the bucket thing. And I'm supposed to serve like once a month. I bet I could get away with it every other month. Okay, every other month, right? And you're just kind of going through. No, 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 I will pursue. Like I want to know the creator God. I want to know the maker of heaven and earth. I'm going to pursue him. Not just have him pursue me. Like I, I want to get up in the morning and I don't want my day to just be another day. Like I want to get up in the morning and go like, Jesus, I want to see your face before I even step out of my room and go through this day with you. Because if, if you're real, if this is, isn't all a charade, then I want it and I want more. I will pursue. Let's keep going. Cycle through some lyrics. That was it. Would you give me another song? That was them all? You gave them all? You found them all that quick and just... I thought there was another in the song we did before. I'll wait for you. Mm, ooh. <laughs> I will wait for just a glimpse of you. Yeah, okay. All right, we can stop with the songs. That wasn't the plan, but as we were singing them, it was because I was preparing this message, they were really sticking out to me. Like, man... What is our human will doing? Let's go to Psalm 101. Psalm 101, verse 2b. Maybe it's even a C here. Psalm 101, verse 2c. I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. See, that's God's will for your life. I will walk with, God is concerned with your heart more so than any of the outward things that is going on is what is happening in your heart and the psalmist here he's saying no no, i want to will i want to will myself with with all that i have with my own choice my own human responsibility and human choice like i'm a believer in god's sovereignty and his sovereign hand but right here he's talking about his own human emotions human responsibilities what he wants to do he says i will walk with integrity of heart like david is saying i will be a man of character a man of god man thrivers we are living in a time in a place in a culture where we are absolutely lacking in men of character i saw a book title the other day that said that someone said amen and they're like wait a sec should i say amen to that that's like you, they're like, that is true, but it's not good. <laughs> Awkward. I saw a book titled the other day that said, When Character Was King. And, and the idea was, if you go back to like leaders in the past, one of the primary things that... that place people into leadership or put people on a platform or gave people a voice was that they were men and women of character 
And now we live in a society where we don't care about character. We care about looks. We care about boisterousness. Uh, we care about wealth. We care about talent, whether that's sports talent or music talent or whatever it is. Character is no longer king in our culture. What's king is Instagram followers. There's a phrase for that, right? What's, it, what's the phrase for someone who has a ton of Instagram followers? Influencer. Right? You're an influencer. You're an influencer. You have a ton of Instagram followers. Right? You're an influencer. And to be an influencer in our world and literally have that title is character any part of that. It's not. Character has nothing to do in that biography. To be an influencer, nothing to do with character. Talent, maybe. Humor, maybe. Um, A celebrity background, celebrity family, celebrity connections. Or look good in yoga pants. Mm. Those will make you an influencer. That's, I'm not even joking there. That is like half the influencers. Character is no longer king. And sadly, 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 devastatingly sadly, it's almost no different in American Christianity. We care about celebrity pastors. We care about huge churches. We care about cool music. And oftentimes, we don't give a rip if those people have any sort of character. We don't. And so we're no longer looking to the men and women that are around us that have character to help grow us into Christ's likeness. We're looking to those with the biggest platforms online and just trying to imbibe whatever they're saying. And then they're falling because of character flaws drastically. And then that's devastating people's faith. And instead of anything changing, we just go through the same repeated cycle over and over and over. And yet when we look at scripture, character still reigns as king. In the timeless scripture, it still matters whether or not we walk with integrity of heart. And I ask and I pray as we head into this new year and we just kind of, it's a time to recall the past and make goals for the future. What are the things that you are willing to happen that are more important to you than walking with integrity of heart? And should there be anything? Should there be anything more important than us stepping into this new year, this new season and saying, no, I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. And in scripture, when they're saying within my house, especially through the Old Testament, house and property, was, it was like a part of your identity, a part of the very who you are. So it wasn't, it's not saying here like, man, when I'm my house, I'm going to be a man of character. When I'm out, when in Vegas, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Like it's not saying that. It's saying my whole identity, like my household, like it's more like when Joshua says, Um, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's saying, I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. Now I'm praying that we'll be men and women of godly character. Now, I believe that's kind of the anchor point of this Psalm 101. And as we look at these other verses, it's going to give us some how-to's. It's going to give us some things of like, I will walk with integrity of heart. I'll become a man or woman of character. How? How? Verse 1. I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. So one of the ways that he's going to grow in character, grow integrity of heart, is by singing to the Lord. Just as we as we did. Praising the Lord, singing to the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. This actually helps shape our character, the things we sing about. I had this friend, her name was Hannah. And Hannah, I remember, um, had a season of life where she was just utterly depressed. Like 
every time we, and she, and she used to be this really joyful person. She's just down. And we started just asking, like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, what's changing your life? What's struggling? And she didn't have any specific things. And then, and, and then it just came out. She's like, I just listened to, like, Death Cab for Cutie and Dashboard Confessionals, like, all day, every day for, like, a couple months. And I had a death cab season. I like them. Um, but it found out that, like, this the depressing music had started to just seep into her soul a bit. And it was just making her really, really, like, down. And the music was actually, the things that she was singing about, the things that she was listening to, was beginning to kind of shape her soul and even her actions, her attitude, and form her character. And she started to realize it. and was like, I'm going to shift up music. Now, this isn't always the case, right? There's going to be all sorts of things that can give us the dark night of the soul. But in her case, it was pretty much just night and day. She just like switched from Death Cab to like a poppy Taylor Swift, and then boom, she was happy. No. (laughs) But singing to the Lord, singing to the Lord, praising Him, it helped form your character. Continue on verse 2. I will ponder the way that is blameless. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Uh, this word, the way, if, if you're interested in the Hebrew, and your name's Derek, anyone here named Derek? This, the, the word there is, it, it wouldn't pronounce exactly like Derek, it's like Derak or something, more like that. But this word Derak, what it means, what it means is like a journey. Like a journey, a pilgrimage, a way. And he's saying, I will. You see this? His human will, his deep desire and commitment, he's going to ponder the way that is blameless. The way of Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. See, Jesus invites us not just to receive salvation from him, but also to walk in a new way of life. New, new practices, new habits, new rhythms, new choices. To walk with character, to walk with the fruits of the Spirit. He invites us into a, a new way of life. And often, it's so easy to just slip into the old way of life, right? Culture has a way of life for you to live. Like American culture... Is it's got a way for you to live. And by default, we'll just slip into living for whatever the American culture is inviting us to live for. Right? It's the same back then. There was a default way to, to live in Hebrew Israelite culture. And David knew that. And so says he says, I will. I'm gonna ponder, meditate. Deeply think about the way, the journey, the pilgrimage that is blameless, that is pure, that is righteous, that are the ways of God. He's inviting us into a Jesus lifestyle. Into a Jesus lifestyle. What does it look like to head into this new year and and ponder and will yourself to walk in the ways of Jesus. To have a transformed lifestyle that's going to form you. Do you know our habits, habits form us? Habits, habits are forming. They have, a, they have a formative impact on you. Do you know by age 21, the average male watches, or has played over 10,000 hours of video games? By age 21, the average male has played over 10,000 hours of video games. That forms you. Into, into what? I don't know. Verse 3. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. 
I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I mean, especially nowadays where like we can, we can set stuff before our eyes like in an instant, right? Just pull out of our pocket, boom, something before our eyes that is this of infinite value, infinite worth? Is this drawing me closer to Christ? Is this making me more Christ-like? Right, again, have to ask yourself, what is the worth of over 10,000 hours of video games by age 21? Right? Some of the stuff, I mean, it's, I think it's fine to, you know, watch YouTube videos of your friends and laugh, but you got to pull back and ask, like, is this becoming worthless? How many hours are being spent like this? Is this making me more Christ-like? What is the value of this? David says he's going to will for himself not to set anything before his eyes that is not having any impact on helping him walk with integrity of heart. And I think right now we are in a, we are in a cultural time and moment where there is just a plethora of worthless things to put our eyes on. Maybe more so than ever before. At our fingertips. Just time-wasting things. I ask you, if you headed into 2020 and just changed this one habit, this one habit, this one habit, if wh- how much more Christ-like might you become if you changed this one habit of any time that you're just out and about and you're bored, you're waiting in line, you're at a stoplight, you're this or that, instead of pulling out your phone and just kind of just doing this, kind of like brain dead thing, if just in that moment you talk to God. You said, man, Father, here's how my day's going. Here's what I'm thinking. Or if you spent time that morning with him, went back to whatever it was you're meditating on that morning in those moments. Imagine if all those little filler moments throughout your day where we just so quickly do this. Did you know the average American touches their phone over 2,600 times a day? What if we took half of those times and just became aware of God's presence? Asked him to move into our day in that moment. That little habit alone, how much more aware would you be of his presence throughout your day? How much more would that be, begin to form your conversations with him? How much more presence to others would you be? Because what happens is, they're doing studies on this now of when you're touching your phone over 2,600 times a day, it has these crazy neurological impact that we get dopamine hits every single time we look at our phone. There's just like a little pleasure and we become deeply addicted. That's why if you're even in the same room of your phone, your phone at a neurological level is screaming at you, pick me up. And it's forming us into something. It's habitually drawing us in, into something. And we're not even sure all the impact. But now Silicon Valley is um, paying like major money for their kids to go to uh, screen-free schools. Like, so all the people that are making this stuff are like, well, our kids aren't going to get near it. Uh, one pastor, um, when, sharing, when sharing that information, says, uh, it's like Biggie Small's phrase, don't get high on your own supply. And it's, but we should beware. Like the people making this stuff are going, stay away. They're now doing what they call dopamine fast. And so the people making this stuff are now building in these fasts where they stay away from their technology because they don't want to, even as the creators of this, be addicted to it. It's having an impact. It's having a neurological impact. And that neurological impact in addiction is keeping us from being able to have the fruit of self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. And it's forming us into something. And it's probably not Christ-likeness. And it's probably not God's will for our lives to be addicted to our phone. Touch it over 2,600 times a day. But for most of us, we probably probably at least half of the people in this room have had to look at their phone at least once during this talk, right? 
And there was probably nothing there to look at. I said, well, I didn't get anything, but, right. And that's not to guilt or shame anyone. That's to say, what is forming me? Jesus is inviting you into more. Continuing on, verse 3b, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. So here's his, here's his phrase. He's saying, I'm not going to let culture dictate my heart. He says, I hate the works of those that fall away, and I'm not going to let it cling to me. Look at this. There is Satan, your own flesh, human world culture, that all have a plan for your life that is not God's plan for your life. And we have to, in, with God's sovereign help and our human will, will ourselves to say, no, 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 I'm not gonna let this cling to me. Maybe the whole world's looking at their phone 2,600 times a day. Maybe it's totally normal to be addicted to pornography now. We joke about that on our TV shows and our movies and it's in most episodes. Maybe our sexual ethic has completely changed because that's what the culture has made it change. But no, 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 the culture's not gonna cling to me. I will walk with integrity of heart. I wanna grow in Christ-like character. I want to build my life on a foundation of love. I'm not going to let it cling to me. Man, men and women of God, don't let it cling. And look, it, it's, it, takes, it takes some intentionality not to let it cling, doesn't it? We, just, we so easily default to these patterns and habits. We so easily have a rough day and instead of just burying our soul before the Lord, just Netflix binge and just that'll deal it. Just numb it over, right? Just distract and numb. Uh, there's a uh, Catholic priest who says this, says we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Like we're unable to have any sort of spiritual depth in our heart because instead of dealing with all these emotions and all the things that are going on in our life, we've learned to just set worthless things before our eyes to distract and numb ourselves from it. And so we have no spiritual depth. And so our churches don't have spiritual depth. And so then we wonder why there's no great evangelistic witness People come in looking for something deeper than what they have, and they're like, this is exactly what I have. We're distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. He says, a perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. We are surrounded by a perverse culture. And if we're honest, we can so easily in our flesh, in our sinfulness, have a perverse heart. Perverted thoughts creeping in and out all the time. And he's saying, no, 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 I, I will know nothing of evil. I'm gonna fight this. I'm gonna push this back. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. To be killing sin or sin will be killing you. To know nothing of evil. What this means is we don't flirt with evil. We don't entertain it. Right? We don't allow Satan and his lies and accusations and his junks to just be comfortable, to take up resident in our mind. You say, no, 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 I know nothing of this. And, and I, I think some of these verses down here are then a pattern of what he's saying he wants to know nothing of, okay? Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. So he's a king and he's a ruler. And so like, he might literally mean he's just destroying these people. For us, it's different, okay? Someone slanders, don't just be like, off his head. Jake said so, we read Psalms. But do not let gossip and slander creep into your heart. And when it is around you, don't participate. Just no, 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 no. I'm not in this convo. And if it's people you know, and it's about other brothers and sisters of Christ too, you just say, hey, hey, you need to go talk to them. I'm out. 
ears closed. You need to talk to them. I'll know nothing of slander and gossip. Slander and gossip will destroy a community instantly. It'll destroy friendships. It'll destroy marriages. It'll destroy churches. Know nothing of it. No, 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 no. And she says, I will know nothing of evil. No slander is going to be around me. He says, whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Arrogance is just contagious. And it's so easy to slip into. It's so deceitful. It's so easy to kind of quickly look at others and be, man, that guy's kind of arrogant. And then all of a sudden be arrogant about how you're not as arrogant as that guy's arrogant. Right? It, that's how it works. It's sneaky. It's creepy. It just, it's like, right, you ever just tithe. You could come in just like, I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to make this sacrifice to him. I love him. And yes, I'm giving this. Yeah. I gave a lot. I was pretty like, I'm a pretty giving person. Right? I bet I gave more than Adam. I bet I'm more generous than Adam. Right? I bet I am. Right? And all of a sudden, just pride and arrogance has creeped in. It's just deceptive. And we have to will ourselves to not endure it. Not endure it. You know, when we're around it and you can smell it in the air, pray for them. Fall on your knees when you see arrogance and pride, especially when you see it creep into God's people and community. No, 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 Lord, come. Come, root this out. When you see it creeping in your own heart, fall on your knees, look to the cross. Comparison will always lead to pride or despair. Anytime you're comparing yourself with other human beings, it's either despair. Oh, Jesus, I'm not as good looking as Andrew. This stinks. Like uh, despair. Look at his hair. It's great hair. And my hair is just kind of like this wookie. And right, and you start feeling despair. Or it's pride. Compare yourself to someone else, you know, my hair is actually better than his. I, I think, yeah, just like this, I got a full head, he's balding, so let's go, right? In comparison, it's pride or despair every single time. But when we compare ourselves to Christ and we look at him on the cross, it leads us to humble worship. Don't compare yourself to other humans, compare yourself to Jesus and say, I want to be more like him. When we look to the cross, we see, this is what I deserve, and it gives us humility. But it also says, but he died for me because he loved me so much. And it gives us confidence. The cross is the only place where humility and confidence can meet without there being any pride or despair. Any human comparison, arrogance will leak in. Don't endure it. Don't endure it. He says, I will look with favor on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. Here he is. He's the king. Man after God's own heart. Guy writing scripture. Wrote more Psalms than like anybody. And he says, man, where are the men and women that can minister to me? I can't do this alone. I need community. I need, none of us are going to walk with integrity of heart all on our own. We need men and women that want to lock arms and say, let's become men and women of character together. Let's pursue a transformed, a renewed, a heart of integrity, and let's pursue it together. Man, we can't do this alone, guys. We need one another. On our own, we just slip so easily to looking at worthless things. We just slip so easily into pride or despair in comparison. We just slip so easily into letting the things of the culture cling to us. But together, Scripture says, how's it go, the strand of two, and then it goes strand of three. Give me, give me the verse. Someone's got that. I need help from you guys. This is an illustration. <laughs> Yeah, three stored. Three stored. See, I knew I need help on this. A three chord strand is not easily broken. It says, what does it say about two? It says something about two first. You are better than one. You are better than one
Preach it. Let's go. Exactly. Yes. See that? We need each other. On our own, we're, we're so easily broken, aren't we? On our own, we make these resolutions. We will. We resolve. And they just kind of... But even share a few things that you're willing to do with a few others. You know, they, they do this like... Um, they do this with fitness. They talk about this with fitness. They're like, if you share your fitness goals with even one other person, I'm making up the percentage. I don't remember the percentage, but it's something like you're 80% more likely to accomplish these goals, right? Because there's, there's this power in willing together in community. Man, g- g- grab... He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. He wants to walk in a way that is blameless. And he says the way that that's going to happen is to do that with others that want to walk in the way that's blameless. Verse 7, no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. He's not going to let lies and deceit dwell with him. How many of you have just heard the enemy's lies before? Felt like the enemy lying to you? And then how many of you just have let those have a home in your mind and just let them kind of dwell there? Just live there. Then they begin to shape your emotions and your behavior. They begin to guide you. He says, no, no, lies and deceit are gonna get evicted every time. Give them the boot. Get them out of here. I will walk with integrity of heart. I will hear the truth and grace of my Father's voice. That will be what guides me. That will be what instructs me. That will be what forms me. What do you want to be shaped by? Lies and deceit are shaped by the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Man, let's will to have Jesus' voice be the one that has a home in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Amen. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Morning by morning, meaning all these things that he is willing to do in order to walk with integrity of heart, it is a daily decision. All right, some of you heard my like, yes, let's will to do this. And then tomorrow you're going to forget it all, right? That's what we do. We're humans. Me and Ezra, we read through the story of God just all the time through this action storybook Bible. And what happens in the story of God is we're reading through it. It'll say, you know, then they, they all started following Jesus. And for 30, 40 years, it was awesome. They were following God and things were going well. And they, they had plenty of food. And it was just this, this. And then what happens? What happens after that? And then they start worshiping idols. And fake things again. Yeah. And then what happens, what happens after they do that? I don't remember. <laughs> they start worshiping idols. And there'll be this phrase. There's this phrase that happens over and over and over in these different stories. And it'll say, they forgot the Lord. And they went back to worshiping idols and their land got conquered and they starved and it was all crappy. And it just, this just happens over and over and over in the Old Testament. And the reason we have these stories is to show us what human nature is like. That's what we do. We worship God high, uh, high on a hill. We love you. Oh man, rescue you. I will build my life on you. And then the next morning, he's like, up to this, man. Do my own thing, right? Where is God? He's nowhere. I don't need him, you know? Like, we do that like, every morning. And that's what David's saying. He's saying, Morning by morning by morning, I need to remember the goodness of God. Morning by morning by morning, I need to will to be in God's will. Morning by morning by morning by morning, I need community to wrap their arms around me and remind me, man, God is with you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to form you into his image and character and goodness. Amen. Verse 2, B. Oh, when will you come to me? Oh, when will you come to me? Man, when we look at all this, doesn't your just heart long for Jesus to come back? As we're in this time, we'll close with this, this time of Advent, 
we remember that Jesus came and he's the only one that ever walked with integrity of heart, that never set anything worthless before his eyes, that never entertained and believed a lie or, a, or, or something deceptive. He's the only one that has never slandered or gossiped or entertained slander or gossiped. He's never been arrogant. In fact, he was so humble that he left his throne and, and emptied himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our Savior. And so tonight we remember him and we say, when will you come to me? We remember the first advent when he first came and we look forward to the second advent. We live in between two advents. And Christmas is a time to slow down and remember that, that he came and that he will come again. The only one that has ever walked with integrity of heart. And he's done this as a substitute for all the times that we have not. That we've not been the men and women of character, of godliness, that he would have had us to be. And so he died the death that we deserve on the cross and lived the life that we could never live for us as a substitute. This is good news. And three days later after he was buried, he rose again to send the Holy Spirit to give us what? A new heart. If you were a follower of Jesus, you have a heart of integrity, not because you've earned it, because through the Holy Spirit, he's given it to you as a gift. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're like, I'm not a person of character. I got this crappy parts of my life and this junk and this stuff that's off and I gossip all the time and just you can receive a pure heart as a gift from Jesus tonight and begin to learn what it looks like to walk in his ways. He's so good to us. Jesus, I thank you so much for the men and women in this room. I thank you for their desires to walk with integrity of heart. Jesus, we thank you that you give us a pure heart that we would never be able to earn on our own. You just gifted to us and we just get to receive it. Help us to live by the power of the Spirit, God's will having its way in our life and help our human will to align with your will for us that we could be formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Lord, I pray that we will build our life on a firm foundation on your love, that we'd sing of your steadfast love and justice, making music to you, the one who is generous, who is gracious, and who has always walked and always will walk with perfect integrity of heart. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a week.